0: The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today.
1: I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so
0: worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good
1: time to get into the market? I'm really
0: not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder
2: if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I
0: can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy, our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Cestina, & Company are on deck to show you the way.
3: Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne. How are you doing, Tony? Wonderful. It's great to be here with you. Enjoying your summer?
2: I am. It's a fun time. We get to do some financial planning outside, get to sit out on the table, get the computer out. Sometimes get to have a little fun out there.
3: Not too much rain.
2: No, it's been wonderful.
3: Yeah. Mild climates. And also joining me is John Sestina. How are you, John? I'm doing great. Yeah. Enjoying so, your you gonna summer. No, I'm going to push it. I was going to give you a title. <laughs> yeah, great of-
1: sounds wonderful <laughs> right, right now. <laughs>
3: We've had a good uh, conversation before the show started. Yes, and we always do. We will- yes. And John, you like to challenge our thoughts, and that's fantastic. And hopefully the listeners will challenge your thoughts today. Today's topic is going to be about kids and money. What can you do as parents or even aunts and uncles and cousins to help educate kids at different stages of their life about money? Because it's important. Right. And part of our uh, tagline is managing to be wealthy and wealth. Right. So the question I have for you, John, is why is it important to build wealth?
1: Well, this is really a special program. I was looking forward to this because we're dealing with the uh, resources of our country, our children. And it's very, very important to get them on the right path. You know, we can look at the millennials and we seem to know that they've been saving more money than their predecessors. So that's a really good sign. So now if we can carry that on to the next generation, next generation, we ought to build wealth. Now why build wealth? Because out of wealth comes opportunity. What kind of opportunity? New businesses. I mean, when you want to start up a new business, even a tech business or whatever there is out there, you have to have some capital or somebody to have capital to invest in your business to get it going. And if you want, well, let me put it this way. If you are rich, you know, if you have money, you still have problems. And if you're broke, that's the only trouble with money. If you right. have it or you don't have it. Right. And so you'll see that you're going to need it later, whether you know it or not. So get ready.
3: Yeah. And you, you said the word that it struck me. I had a conversation with someone about opportunity gives you op- options, right? And opportunity yep. and options and talking to them about <laughs> buying a home. They've sacrificed. They've lived in a very modest house for 20 plus years had very good income, business owners, and now they had an op- op option to upgrade their house, even in an inflated housing market. And gave them the green light. Let's do it. And they were almost dumbfounded, yeah. but they're almost now hesitant because they're like, really? You, we can do this? And they're, right. they're, they're questioning it, but it was fantastic to give somebody the green light. And I said, 90% of the time, I'm saying, you, you might not want to do it. You might be overstretching things. Uh, because a very, very beautiful building in a major city um, on the East Coast and outstanding, but it, to have that option, because they've sacrificed for the last 20-plus years to give them those options to fulfill a goal or a dream. Tony, why do, you, uh, why do you feel it's important to build wealth?
2: You know I like to go back in history sometimes, so I'm going to take this back to the Middle Ages. When you think about serfdom, I mean, the idea of how classes were structured – I mean the only way you could really change a class was by killing somebody maybe? or marrying somebody, maybe, if you were allowed to. I mean, wealth was not available to be accumulated. All you did was show up, go to work, live, die, have children, eat. That was it. There was no recreation or leisure. I mean, now we've finally gotten to a point where the middle class, which is so big nowadays, is able to have real recreation time, leisure time, retirement time. I mean, this is the idea of why we build wealth, is because at some point, hopefully we don't want to be serfs. We don't want to be showing up to work every day. Work is fulfilling. Work is important. But there are other things. And if we're not building wealth along the way, we're stuck in that cycle. We can never change classes. We can never let our family advance or get ahead. And hopefully that's part of why you're building your wealth too, is perhaps there is someone else you want to give an opportunity to. And if you're
1: building wealth, you're able to do that, whoever that is.
3: Very good perspective, John. I know that's why you believe in capitalism, what Tony just described right there.
1: No question about it. If uh, if you're going to get along and you're going to help your family get along, you have to have some resources. And if you want your country to get along, we need some resources. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons the United States is so strong. We've had capitalism. We've had this freedom of exchange of money and people could work, and there were no classes, Tony, so we didn't have any serfdom. We don't have it yet, which is great. Mm -hmm. Because you can go out, work as hard as you want to work, come up with your idea, and you can move up the ladder.
3: I know that's something you're going to fight for till the day you die. I sure do. Is (laughs) that capitalism and capitalist approach. Um, On the other side of things, John, is being, I mentioned about being able to have options and spending, is being too frugal a concern? Is is that a dangerous thing?
1: Well, yeah, there are people who are too frugal, yes. Uh, So as we teach all the time, you have to live your life in balance. And balance is not just saving all your money and not just spending all your money, but what's the balance in your lifetime? And so that's what we're looking for. So if you are so frugal that your family is suffering, you know, unreasonably, then you need to make a change in that because that causes harm and it'll harm everything. What we've got to realize is the chain that goes on in the economic system. And you can impact that. You can impact someone else, impact your company, your business, your neighbor. And so you have to realize you can impact the whole deal. Tony,
3: what are your thoughts on possibility of being too frugal?
2: I think of my grandma. My grandma came from Berlin and Germany and her strong German background and making sure that everything was utilized to the fullest. And in her case, it was. and She was able to be wonderful and help people. And unfortunately, her life was really short. So at the same time of, well, what could she might have done extra? What could she have had? I mean, again, I'm answering it here personally, but that to me is that balancing act of knowing what's enough. Because when you know what's enough, then you can dedicate that extra towards current times. You know, there's your future self, your past self, and your current self. So hopefully current self is taking care of future self. But if future self is taken care of, enjoy current self, enjoy. And that's the fun part of doing this planning stuff. So that's how I think about being frugal.
3: Right. And that's why they, I look at these two things we just talked about as sort of blending together in the way this country was built with the land of opportunity, right? Many, many immigrants have come over. This is the land of opportunity, the opportunity to build wealth. And some of it was that frugalness came out of fear, as you described, on their past experiences from their parents and grandparents, because your childhood really molds you on how you treat money and how you, you feel about money and manage money along the way, so your life experiences, without a doubt, will uh, culture you or develop you throughout your lifetime on how you manage money.
2: So that 12-year-old girl with the bombs burning everywhere and the Russians raiding in, that might buy, be why she stored some things away, Stephen. Right excellent right that makes sense now
3: yeah and uh from hearing stories about you know other uh, not having food to eat or worrying about where the next meal is going to come from so when you get two nickels you save those two nickels right right and you hold on to them and you cherish them uh john i'm sure you've heard stories like that in the past
1: well i lived it yeah there you go <laughs> i mean sometimes we didn't have food and we didn't have clothes i'm trying to remember when i had my first pair of shoes right and uh i don't remember how old i was but nonetheless, you know, that caused me to be more, a little more sensitive to what I had and to work and have right discipline and save a little bit.
3: Yeah. And so today's show, again, we're going to dedicate and uh, to the parents, aunts, uncles out there on maybe how to help educate kids about money throughout their childhood into their teen years. Very, very important topic um, because, again, that's going to mold them. And, what the, and that's the other thing. I know parents know this. Kids are very... They they absorb a lot of information, and what they really do look at is how their parents treat money and talk about money. It's a very very important topic, and uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about kids and money. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
3: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's topic is kids and money, how to educate kids, talk to kids about money, uh, we're going to take it through different stages of childhood. Uh, we're going to start with as young as it can go, right? Preschool. Um, John, I'm not a parent. Didn't have kids. I'm going to f- go to you here on this one. When, when do you start to talk to kids about money? At what age?
1: Well, almost immediately, as soon as they have some reason. For example, with, uh, with my daughter, what I started talking to her about was a perspective she could understand, which was a snowball. And that was my explanation of compound interest because she had been out skiing and whatever else. And so we could talk about if you had a dime or whatever and you kept adding it, how it would grow. So she began to understand that. We talked about saving money. And if you wanted to have something, then you needed to save work, get some money, save it, and be able to buy it. And the best example there was she was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and she wanted a, a bear Timothy mm-hmm. and Timothy was the rage of the day. All the kids had Timothy, except her, okay. you know, her dad, mean dad. Mean dad. meanest dad in all the city. And so, um, I said, if you want it, save your money and buy it. And you know what she did, she went out and received did babysitting jobs, chores, whatever. She was just a little kid, but she went out and she did it. And you know what? She bought that. Timothy earned it, earned it. And she, that would, she would love that so much that it literally fell apart, I don't know how many years later. It was just, you know, tatters uh, before she let it go. That's how much it meant to her.
3: Right. Tony, so for somebody, preschoolers, kindergartens, uh, any examples that come to mind on maybe parents can consider, grandparents?
2: Yeah, yeah, from good and bad perspectives, but the idea that money is a real thing money is just the concept of money I mean we talked about specific lessons but depending upon their grasp just the concept that here's something you wanted here's the value associated with it and especially more and more nowadays you know again I'm not a blood uncle here but I am uncle Tony to a lot of young people out there so when I'm dealing with them or talking with others there's a lot of online purchases that are happening and we never really see the cash And especially when mom and dad have it linked to the bank account or a credit card. So you have very young people out there making purchases on the iPad or other devices that are real money and it's buying, ai will say, a fake thing. You know, Steven's getting a new shield of armor there that's red instead of the normal gray one, (laughs) and you're spending $5 on it. So to keep a little journal of those purchases and then what it was and then to remind the child about three months later here, you forgot about this, but this was real. I mean, I've seen that. I've done that where it really starts clicking over time where the little purchases, just like us as adults, the little knickknacks that we might just accumulate walking out of the store, what was it really worth a year from now versus what could I have done with it? So the idea of, I know preschool still a little early, but what would that money be worth in a couple of years? And that's where I'm trying to go with it with a lot of people just the money's real.
3: Yeah. And I, I like the uh, the thought of how you said, see the dollar bills too, right? See the actual green right, Lay backs, it out. Lay it out, right? <laughs> Versus the, the clicking of the button or the credit card concept where – its money isn't a real thing right, right. so
2: steven i'm so, for yeah, you and ahead. i adults let's go there las vegas is now adopting <laughs> cashless casinos oh they love that they want to do the same yeah. thing to adults that are ha- that's happening to children if you don't see the dollars you don't have to get the cash out you don't have to feel it oh it's so much easier to play that game right. that same kind of addictive young game that's the same idea so if you're not someone who's really conscious of this stuff, lay the cash out.
1: You have to watch out for brokerage firms too, don't you?
3: You do.
2: You're yeah, right. Same kind games of idea. Right. But,
1: but, but you think about, about the games.
3: psychology though, and I, hate it. it's about kids and money. You brought off Las Vegas, but I think about the slot machines, the old school slot machines where you would put the coin in versus when you just hit the button as many times. <laughs> it's psychology, right? The psychology of money. So you just rip through it and burn it. right? Well, right? So, so showing the dollar bills and feeling the dollar bills goes a long way. The, the other one I can remember, uh, my grandparents, my grandfather, who would keep a glass uh, jar. So when I would be visiting them, he'd come home from work and he'd have coins in his pocket and he'd put it in the glass jar. And I'd say, well, what's that for? Oh, you know, I'm saving up for vacation or saving up for a trip, whatever his goal was. And then every time I would go over, I'd see, oh, it's, it's growing, it's filling up. And it was a good visual. And I learned about, okay, he's doing his job to get to his end goal. So seeing the visual is equally important, I think.
2: Right. Well, we kind of went there and I was smiling over here because the festival's upcoming for the grade school I went to. And I always go there and volunteer. And that was my first introduction to the concept of money. It was basically the, the underage casino of the festival of, you know, do you bet on these lemons uh, do, coming do you up? Do
1: mention Did, the school here? I, I'm not that? going to yet at this
2: point. That might paint them in a the bad light. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, but when that time of year comes around, you see so many children out there asking for the cash, counting the tickets, Seeing how money works, I hate to say it's a good example, but you see it in
1: practice. Right. Indeed. One of the first times I went to Hawaii, I saw that it was prominent with Japanese citizens. And there were these little kids all over the place, and they were all running around with $100 bills, buying whatever they wanted to buy. They had no concept of what the money was worth. They just had a handful of it and would buy what they needed or wanted, not right. needed.
3: Because the $100 bill was just- Had
1: a, no significance.
3: Right. It just depends what you could get for it yep yeah so it's all all important so seeing cash understanding the value of money uh so as the as the child's get a little bit older let's move into like elementary school years or middle school years what what's the next phase here tony
2: oh you fired me up with this one steven okay you said <laughs> avoid allowances and go for chores and in my head, again, I'm sitting here thinking what we were talking about earlier. I mean, an allowance, what you're saying is a universal basic income for children. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, right. you set the child's age, you set the dollar amount they're going to get. There's your formula. Or, hey, let's work for it. Yeah. You can make a little bit more. You can make a little less. It's up to you. And there are things that you're going to have to do here that you're just not paid for i wish somebody paid me to do the dishes last night right. no one did right but they still got done right. so that's the idea here i mean again right. is it a universal basic income i think a lot of people are cringing when they hear that or is it work for what you're going to earn
3: and i'd say set a price point and do things like you said no the dishes might not be a part of it maybe they are if you do it for yeah, a week maybe. straight or but cleaning your room shouldn't be but maybe go rake the leaves Oh, boy, everyone loves that, right? All the all old right. people, right? Uh, I, I cringe at well, the thought of raking leaves or mowing the lawn. Those are actual, you could put a dollar amount. Hey, if you do this, it's 10 bucks. Man, and how do you equate it? How much would you pay someone else to do it?
1: Oh, weeding. Weeding, weeding. would be the one, yeah, I mean, You love weeding, and, don't Oh, you? I love weeding.
2: <laughs> and, John, I, I know you love when the government spends money on surveys and studies and all that. Well, there was one a few years ago of, is it worth it? to take a school district and pay high school students to get better grades. What? And the study found it effectively was marginal. But when you went to younger children, and it was kindergartners or first graders, and you started them on this better habits earlier, you could use less money. And again, if the idea is get them to do this stuff, it was more effective to do it when they were younger rather than when they were in high school. So the idea was, if you're going to pay children for grades, you better start that early on. And once you start that, they're going to get used to that. Yep. And when that performance isn't there or that pay isn't there, the performance may not be. So it was a pretty tricky survey, John. We
3: can correlate that to a lot of things, couldn't we? We could. <laughs> right? sure could. Right? So it's So it is a slippery slope. But I think the important thing is, you know, John, you, you once told me, what you asked me a question, what is a job? Right. Right? And it's something, a chore or a task that someone else doesn't want to do. Maybe they can't, they don't have time to do it, but they're willing to pay someone to do it for them. So translate that to your kids. Right. So if there's something that you don't want to do, set a price on it and, and start to pay them. And I think that would be a good foundation on work, money, and just starting with that concept of labor and understanding where money comes from. So, uh, we're coming up on a break here, and we're going to continue the discussion about teaching kids about money, different stages in life. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Oh. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne and John Sestina. Today's topic is teaching kids about money. If you would like to learn a little bit more about John E. Sestina and company and the Managing to be Wealthy process, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com or give us a call at our office on Bethel Road at 614-326-3077. So again, today's show is talking and educating kids about money. Uh, first segment, we talked about the younger kids, right? John used the example about compound interest and the snowball and growing money. Uh, elementary school, getting to the kids, maybe chores around the house. How much uh, our producer pays their kids per bucket of weeds? Very interesting, right? For every bucket they bring in, he gives them what hundred bucks, maybe? One hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, kids, if you're listening, go out there and get a raise. <laughs> Tony, what are some other uh, ideas in teaching kids about money?
2: Well, I, I had someone. She is so brilliant. I, I what, what she was doing, I, I feel like I need to tell the world this. You can't talk she, about your wife. No, well, she's brilliant too, <laughs> but uh, this is uh, closely related to her. Uh, she has two young children, 13, 8, and when they get paid for their chores, the first couple times she paid them. And then after that, she paid them, and she'd paid them in a little smaller change, a little smaller bills. She takes out the money for savings. She takes out the money for taxes. She takes out the money for what it costs to do the things. And then she left them with the rest. And, you know, they're 13 and 8. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. this (laughs) isn't fair. (laughs) And it reminds me as an adult of how I feel sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But that lesson early on that, you know what, this is yours. You've earned this. But there's still, darn it, there's still something behind it. And the same idea with her comes true with the children and education and sports. You know, do you still have to get good grades? Do you still have to work or basically do chores? Or do you just do travel sports all the time? And they're in the travel sports, but they still have to do everything else. And it sounds like a lot. And really, I think it's mom who has to do more work because she's having to track this stuff. But the result and just being a fly on the wall sometimes, what an amazing thing to see. Yeah, You know, these children are going to be ready to come out and be aggressive savers, taxpayers, but also know the value of work.
1: Yeah, I found that when I was teaching at OSU. Yeah. And it was the fifth-year seniors, which I don't understand how you can be a fifth-year senior but there were those in my class and we got to talking about the income tax Yeah, and it changed one of the many times. And so I asked them if they approved of that and they said, Oh yeah, the rich should pay more. That's the way it works. I said, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take the tax law and apply it to your grades. They looked at me blindly blankly and I said, yeah, what we're going to do is use the tax law. So if you get an A, we're going to give half of that to the Fs. If you get a B, we'll give to you know, and so on and so forth. So
3: everyone across the board gets yeah, the same. A, yeah.
1: Everybody gets the same tax brackets. And so at the, first they nodded like, oh, oh, okay. And about half an hour later, there was a, there was a, a uprising. <laughs>
0: <Right. laughs> right. Talk oh, about anarchy. That.
1: That's not <laughs> fair. But that is part of what you have to teach the kids. So it's wise that that lady is teaching her children about taxes because that's an important part as we know.
3: Yeah, and there's technology out there today. Tony, to your point about you know paying the taxes and savings and, oh, yeah. and the buckets, uh, there's a, a company that Go Henry, G O H E N R Y, and you're allowed to structure it for kids, right? So you can input. It's a cash management program, and I think any listeners out there with kids should look it up. start to teach them about money
2: right and and there is one caveat with that too we'll bring up along the way I mean you'll hear this in some of the negatives you know do you want a company knowing what your children are spending on the privacy aspect I mean that's always a balancing act so with anything you're gonna Google and find good and bad with anything but just be aware of that and if that's something you're sensitive to do it a different way
1: right also be aware you have to pay for it good
2: Well, it depends on the level of service, but you're right, You're going to have to
1: pay for it, and so don't go in blindly. You get it free to hook you, as all of these programs do. Right. And then once you're on there, if you keep it, you have to pay. Right, but but I think it's a great
3: service, right? Uh, It really is. I mean, I, I still believe my favorite game as a kid, Monopoly. I learned a little bit about money. I learned a little bit about going bankrupt from my sister. She, she destroyed me time and again. I, I
2: right. learned not to play Monopoly with my family. Right. That didn't end well, Stephen. No, right. you, you, you you have a little bit more harmony. Right. I learned
1: to play You're with my in-laws, which was wonderful. We'd do it every holiday. Yeah. So there's
3: a lot of games out there that will teach teach concepts of money. There's Cashflow 101 board game, which was uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the millionaire next door, Uh, publisher he developed a cash game which is really good so there's games out there that kids can play to help teach and educate about concepts of money concepts of business and it is important right and um, I think that's a good thing the other thing I like is clipping coupons I think well, clipping coupon yeah. is a good way to just again concepts of money. Hey, we can save a dollar. We can save twenty five cents here and there, and maybe that's you know part of the 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 chore for the kid to do, not job chore for the the young person to do.
2: And if you're maybe a little rolling your eyes at cutting coupons or something because you're so tech savvy or your kids are anyway, you do the same thing with your tech tools. Just go ahead and put the scanner on there and say, hey, if I'm at the store, what's this thing cost somewhere else? It's just the modern version of saying, hey, it's the same Apple. Can I get this Apple somewhere else a little cheaper? And we all know whether it's Amazon or other tools, they have a lot of those out there where we can make sure, hey, either price match this or I'm going to go get this better deal. And it's the same concept, Steve, right. whether it's cutting coupons or shopping around, make sure you're getting the best deal you can get.
1: Right. right. It's like airline things where you get points and apply it against your costs, or go to the grocery store, and you can get points, and it'll save you gasoline. <clears throat> and Bobby and I revel over that all the time. She's a great coupon saver, man. Yeah. We, we save a lot on gasoline. Yeah. We're down to $12 a gallon now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic so
3: again co- comparison shopping to right and you said the grocery store we all know there's a certain grocery store that's a little pricier Can than others we, we, we we yeah, won't. Yeah. we won't drop names here yeah. and then start there and make a list right and say here's what the Apple costs let's go to the other store uh, the other one thing is avoid impulse buying right delayed gratification so okay hey I want this can't afford it right now let's start to save a pro, build a program to save money to buy that and celebrate the purchase at a later date, I think is very important as well. Part
2: of that too, and I've heard people, just so many people agree when I said this, delete some of the shopping apps. I mean, if you have an app on your phone that's allowed to just alert you every single day when there's a sale on blah, blah, blah that you never needed, you probably don't want that alert all the time. You know, so-and-so 75% off or whatever. Getting those emails all the time, getting those alert on your phone, it's not necessarily the healthiest thing to do if you're trying to manage your
1: spending. Well, that's part of the game mentality. If they keep putting it before you, pretty soon you're going to say, I need that $75 shirt.
2: Right, we've got to try to outweigh that. Yeah. So that privacy tracking and the features there is very important because it is behavioral. I mean, you said if they keep beating on you, here I know you want this new hose. You're right. complaining about it in the backyard. You've been to three stores looking at it. They're gonna to know to target you and hammer you with ads until you
3: break down and buy that thing. Are you so saying you've there's got no a, privacy, Tony?
2: I might be, John, i oh, a okay. way or two, but <laughs> that's the kind of thing we've got to be aware of now. Well, that's for sure.
3: And the other thing, the other thing is. Um, sacrifice right if we buy this we might not be able to buy that second thing right price comparison where more something more expensive may then cancel the purchase of something less expensive
2: i heard a lot of pools were coming and no vacations were coming so i'm eager to see if that happens right
3: everyone right not everyone but a lot pool, of people pool installation now can you afford the vacation right right well you have a nice pool no don't don't go to the warm state
1: well, uh, swim in the pool. We have a pool, but I haven't been in it in ten years.
3: <laughs> go do a cannonball, John. <laughs> I don't want to
1: flood the neighborhood.
3: <laughs> so again, there's little things you can do, and it is investing time, right? Investing time in the kids and doing these exercises is very important. So when we come up um, in the last segment, we're going to go into the teenage years. Maybe there's stuff out there for the teenagers to learn. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six hundred and ten WTVN. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
3: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's topic is teaching kids about money. First few segments, we talked about the younger years, uh, infancy all the way through the uh, grade school now we're gonna move into the teenage years and this is where it starts to get a little bit dicier because the freedom of the teenager they can go out on their own they have that freedom of maybe walking uh, places or driving places I'll never forget my teenage years I worked really hard as a server bartender and I'd come home with lots of tip money and I'd brag and say oh dad mom and dad I got this much amount of money on tips my dad would look at me and goes it's not what you make it's what you save. <laughs> I love your dad. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I, I was like, yeah, 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 dad. All right. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about what CD I'm going to buy, right? What next uh, album I'm going to I'm going to purchase or to- toy or whatever toys I was doing in the teenage years or, or clothing. So this is where the spending really starts, where you can't separate the needs from the wants, right? Where you start to learn about that or not learn about it because you're just doing it. Uh, so I think it's really important to... Teach people about separating needs, wants, and wishes. Uh, you have your needs, you have your wants, and you have your wishes, and you got to isolate those. Um, John, what would you come to mind in teenage
1: years? In your teenage years, I once heard a guy say, "You know, if I hear that you become what you think the most about, and if that were true, I'd be a girl." <laughs> <laughs> so you are going to need some money to spend on your girlfriends, yes, as you grow up, and so that's going to be but you got to new- impress
3: them. Otherwise it won't go Yeah, oh, otherwise it oh, won't go oh, out with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, let's,
1: yeah, let's catch up, John. <laughs> I don't have the looks. They, they I don't, can don't have the looks us, for okay? them to come after this me. This is a new era. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean your super new Volkswagen won't do it? No. no, no okay, how no. about your new bicycle? No. no okay, Tom, well no. Then no. I'm out of luck. I'm, no. <laughs> but it's true, you've as a teenager, you have new temptations, let's say. And they're all kind of instamatic because you see this and you want it now, whatever it is. And that's just how we're wired. So all the things we talked about above would be important to help you control the teenage years. So if you've learned to uh, have delayed gratification, for example, that'll come to play here. If you learn how to save some of your money, that'll come to play. So a lot of the other habits we've talked about will really help you through your teenage years.
3: Yeah. And even into, I think, the, the, the this college decision process, right? Too many uh, situations you hear it's about where you want to go to school, not where we should go to school or what's the best place considering the situation and all those those education lessons in the younger years will help filter that out but the the student needs to be a part of that process and learning what it costs what are the sacrifices uh yeah everyone would love to go to to -hmm. the most expensive college because they have all the nice bells and whistles but is it affordable so affordability is a part, part of it. So in the teenage years, I, I'm 100% on board with the student being a part of the decision process for cost right. and how to pay for it.
1: And they should be, this is the time when they can really have a budget. I remember sitting with my daughter, helping her develop a budget before she went to college. And she did so very well that by one day she came back from college and we're going to a Taco Bell or someplace. And uh, I was going to order such and such. And she said, well, Dad. You know, if you order this and that, it's the same thing, but it's a nickel less. I gave her a great cheer, man, right there and in a front of her. <laughs> <And a hall. laughs> so, you know, it worked. Yeah. And that was because of all the years of her discipline. And she was smart. She knew what to do. And she trained all that stuff, much like when she was going to school and loved to do that jazzercise. Mm-hmm uh i never did that did you ever do that tony i did not uh, me either the I'm aerobics glad. you're talking so yeah, yeah. no, no jazzercise okay I had a All All right. the terminal. <laughs> and so uh it was like 50 bucks a month or something and she realized she couldn't afford it so uh, she said what will i do i said well figure out how to get a job to teach it you still go to the class and now you get paid to do it and yeah. so she did that we had great sacrifice she had when she came home from uh school she had to be licensed and go through a lot of training and on and on, which she did. And when she went back to school, now she's getting paid to do the same thing. Right. So that's part of what you're trying to develop in the kid in the teenage times is this uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you have uh, some understanding of money, you're gonna be more flexible and able to be creative with money.
3: Yep. I think the the budgeting process, right, is that's part of it is also important. Uh, going back, I use the envelope net method yeah. by 40 bucks a week. I put 15 envelopes, $40 in each envelope in week one, week two, week three. And uh, I, next thing I knew by week six... I had so much extra cash from all the prior weeks. I played the game, and boy, instead of drinking a nat- natty light, I was drinking whoa, expensive whoa. beer, whoa. Right? Whoa, so, all the way up to Yingling. Now. Right, high <laughs> dollar right. Oh, so, so you know. stuff. Right? So, Excellent. Right, so that was it, it, you play those mind games with yourself, and again, it's the cash m- mindset. I right. saw the cash, and I was like, "Oh, I have five dollars, and next week I had an extra ten, and so forth." So I was budgeting and having surplus. Good stuff, Tony. <laughs> Give me another example. Yeah, when
2: we think about teenagers and money, I jump to jobs. I mean, that's usually the time where you may get your first job, your first boss. Those patterns start to form. And, John, I, I know we like to look at some of the negatives and get riled up here a little, but I've got a really great positive stat. Oh, good. I do. Um, in 1979, the youth labor workforce participation rate, you know, the young people, 16 to 24, looking for jobs, working, it's 57.9%. Let's just call it 58%. That went down. We know in 2011, it went down all the way down to almost 34%. Really? 34% of 16 to 24-year-olds working.
1: Is that the positive? No, <laughs> no. That was 10 years it's ago. It's leading up. He's, now, he's now leading. Now this is good. Up this winding All right, go for <laughs> it. Now,
2: now it's back up to 54%. Tracked into 57% this year. Just the teen workforce participation rent rate went up almost 11% since the beginning of the pandemic. So again, there's a cost to everything here, but one of the benefits perhaps of higher wages it's dragging these teenagers out from playing video games into the workforce. There's enough money going around that it's little exciting to go out and be a server and wait tables for a couple bucks an hour and come home with those tips like you mentioned, Stephen. Yeah. So, again, it, it's costly for the employer, costly for the customer, but perhaps a benefit. We're seeing a lot more teenagers and young faces out there working, and we think that's a good thing long term.
3: It is a good thing. The, the one thing I would say is uh, educate about credit card dangers, yes. right, the high interest rate. Uh, maybe even sacrificing that one month's worth of interest to show how dangerous it is uh, because you don't want to ever fall under that um, situation where you're snowballed full of credit card debt. It is just absolutely terrible. So learn at a young age. So in the teenage years, you can teach that possibly.
1: Right. Um, Definitely. Because when they go to college, you know, they're going to be bombarded. Yep with credit cards. Yep. Talk no, about predatory environment. You bet. It
2: goes yep. back to what you're saying too, Stephen. I mean, before you make this huge purchasing decision of college and you might even have debt over your own head over it. What is it you're going to study? What is it that you're going to do with the rest of your life and the income prospects? So to spend some of these years getting a job, working in a field, not just for the pay or not for the benefits then, but to say, is this something I want to do long term? That's super valuable. I know that's how I knew I wanted to stick with John. You know, it was come in and John's daughter at the t- you know, hey, come say, see if you like it or not. And here we are 20 years later.
1: Right. years yeah yeah yeah. that's where that
2: gray came from (laughs) and
3: (laughs) lastly here we're running out of time but i would also maybe encourage if you are paying uh for chores around the house become create a 401k program like a fake 401k program so if you're the boss and you're gonna pay the kids for that chore to do the landscape or whatever it is say hey if you save 10 bucks we'll match we'll give an extra five dollars right? That incentive to save and then explain this is what's going to happen future years in life as you become employed. So uh, hopefully today's uh, program was a good education uh, for the listeners to maybe talk to your kids a little bit more about money. It is very, very important because your childhood does mold you and shape you on how you treat money the rest of your life. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.